We're starting a brand new series today, and I'm excited just to give you a little backstory. You know, over the last uh, three months or so, going through this coronavirus, uh, all the lockdown that's been going on, I've had a chance to get to talk to a lot of different people about what they're going through, what they're struggling with, as well as apart from, you know, the obvious things like trying not to get sick and, you know, losing my job or something like that. What are we struggling with on the inside? Because I think this has been an incubator in a way. Uh, it really brings up all the, all the little issues that are inside of us tend to boil up in these, these times like this. And, uh, and so I've been, had a chance to talk with people about what are you struggling with? What's holding you back uh, spiritually and emotionally from spiritual growth? Well, you know, what's keeping you from being a fully functioning human being? What's that glitch in your brain that is keeping you stuck? And of course, everyone's situation is unique. People are different. People are unique. But the responses that I've received uh, have interesting that they've fallen into kind of one of seven different categories. And I want to share these with you because these are going to form the basis for our series. Um, but the fir- one of the first things that we hear from folks is that they struggle with addiction. About one in 10 uh, of the people that we talk to struggle with some form of, of addiction. Um, uh, number six, they struggle, people struggle with unforgiveness or resentment, uh, being unable to forgive someone who's wronged them, or maybe the person that they're unable to forgive is themselves. Um, number five, uh, about 15% of us struggle with depression, just the feeling of hopelessness that just is overbearing. Uh, number four, the, the, the mountain that people face that just feels too big for them to get over is feeling shame, some sense of shame of feeling not good enough, feeling inferiority. That's about a third of us uh, reported that. Um, the next one, number three, doubts. Just doubts and, and feeling uncertain about God and how prayer really works, certain aspects of God or maybe a particular doctrine or assumption that we've, we just grew up with that has to do with what God can do and what He's willing to do. Um, and, uh, number two, fear, just some pervasive uh, anxiety. People just are racked with, with fear. And it, that fear can manifest sometimes in the need to control things, control people even. Um, and I think that might be true now more than ever as people feel kind of helpless. But over a third of us uh, report uh, fe- struggling with that. Which, by the way, I hopeful as you're seeing this list, hopefully you're seeing that the things that maybe you struggle with, you're not alone in. Amen? You're not alone. This is common human stuff. Um, and then the number one thing, uh, talking to people that just they feel like really is, keeps them stuck, prevents them from going forward, the number one obstacle, uh, incompetent preaching. There it is. Uh, just that's the thing really. So there you go. Um, Okay, no, actually, there's six things. There were six things there. I'm just having a little fun there. I think that was my own uh, fears and insecurities projecting onto the survey there a little bit. Um, But here's what I believe. I believe that uh, whatever you're struggling through, uh, that most of us have struggles and that we can look to God. I really believe that that our loving Heavenly Father uh, wants to be our salvation and to help free us from whatever prison is holding us captive. And, you know, right now, whether you're black, brown, white, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, or Flat Earther, or whatever you are, uh, we, we all long for freedom. We all want to be free. We have that inside us. And, and usually the obstacle that, to that freedom for us is some external scapegoat. 
that, isn't that true? We usually blame some external scapegoat that we blame for holding us back. And we think, you know, so during the coronavirus, we've been like, oh, if only this virus could be cured or something. Then I could be free to get out and live my life in happiness again. Or, you know, on the other side, people are like, oh, if the only, only the government would give us back our rights, then I could, you know, be free to live my life again. Or if only that group on the other side of the aisle would blah, 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 whatever that is, I would be free to experience happiness and freedom But you know, the hard truth is that most of us don't need an oppressive government or some dangerous pandemic uh, or oppressive systems to make us enslaved because we're already slaves to things that we don't even know have us bound. Um, We're slaves to to toxic thinking. We're, We're slaves to our past. We're slaves to resentments that we carry around, bigotry. We're slaves to lies that were told us at some point in our life, right? We're slaves to this us versus them paradox, paradigm. Um, we're slaves to our habits and addictions and these things that are really literally killing us and we don't know how to insert the key in our hands and free ourselves. And so what we often think of is that external scapegoat. We think if only the circumstances going on in my life were different then I'd be happy. But you know, it's kind of like the the person who goes on a vacation to get away from it all, only to find out the one constant that's still right there with them is them. You, You know, you're taking yourself on a vacation, you can't leave yourself. Because ultimate happiness is not actually usually found in changing our surroundings, changing our circumstances. True freedom starts up here, starts up here in the mind. And so over the next six weeks or so, we're going to be addressing these things. Now, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about the incompetent preaching. You're stuck with that. But the other, these other things in our new series, Unleashed, we're going to be talking about. We're going to find some freedom. We're going to find some healing. Uh, I believe that. But listen, this, this healing is not something that God can just perform on you while you passively sit by. This is very important. Uh, you can't just wait for it to happen. I think a lot of people blame their unanswered prayers on the fact that I prayed and I waited for it to happen. I waited for it to happen and I'm waiting for God to do it. But it's going to require something from you in partnership with God. And that is your faith. It's going to require your faith and your trust in God to be able and willing to help you. And I'll tell you, the thing that kind of keeps me up at night sometimes is, is realizing that a lot of people don't even know they're sick. They don't know they need healing. They think they're the ones that got it all together and everybody else has the problem. So, so many of us, almost all of us need healing in some way. We need healing. Um, it's also going to require from some of us admitting the fact that we don't always want to hand over the keys of our prison to God. Uh, we're, we're, some of us actually hold on tightly to, to, to those keys because we often become very attached to the very sickness that's killing us. Or maybe some of us just have a hard time believing that it can really change. We've lived with it so long, we don't believe things can change. But when you finally do give up to God, those things that you're grasping onto so firmly, you will not only find that you have been set free from your prison, 
but you were, you were actually being unleashed to do greater things than you've ever done before. It's not just about being free. It's about being set free to be an unleashed to do, to do things for Christ, unleashed to experience greater amounts of joy and peace and the fruit of the Spirit than you've ever felt before. Uh, can you just picture yourself free, experiencing that love and joy, peace of Christ, and becoming a force of Christ-like love to the world around you, to other people, instead of feeling like a dog on a leash, tied to your addiction, your unforgiveness, depression, shame, doubts, fears. I'm telling you, I'm going out on a limb here. In my faith, I am expecting, anticipating people getting set free. Amen? Amen? Total freedom. That's what this is about. Total freedom. We're just here to learn a bunch of information and and self-help stuff. We're we're here to get free. And so uh, I pray you're with me on that. Today, we're going to set up this whole series by talking about what's at the root of all the things that we feel like we can't get over. So I'm going to start with this question, this question. Whatever the issue is for you, whichever on that list, or maybe it was something that wasn't on that list, but whatever you would be your top number one obstacle that is holding you back, my question to to you is this, can you at least imagine yourself being set free from that? Can you imagine yourself set free Can you imagine yourself being totally set free from addiction, if that's you? Uh, Whether it's it's drugs or or alcohol or or pain meds or sex or food or social media or whatever it is. Can you imagine yourself being completely free from whatever you're in bondage to? And, And so what I want you to do is create a vivid picture in your mind right now of yourself set free from that. Imagine how good it will feel when you're free. Imagine all the things you'd be able to do that you can't do now. Imagine that, because that, that addiction keeps you from doing that. Imagine the impact it'll have on your relationship with God and with other people around you, your friends and your family, your fellow church members. Imagine all the money you're going to save, right? Because addictions can tend to be, get expensive. Just to visualize that state of being, can you imagine yourself there? Or maybe you're someone who has trouble forgiving someone. You're just holding that, mm, that that justice and bitterness in the pit of your stomach, and you just, can you imagine yourself being set free from that bitterness? Picture yourself freely forgiving that person who has wronged you, or maybe the one that you have trouble forgiving is yourself. Can you imagine for a moment really believing that Jesus paid your entire debt, that you don't have to hold yourself to that any longer. Can you imagine how good it will feel to be free of that burden? Or maybe you're someone whose struggle is that you just, you don't think you'll ever measure up. You just have that feeling for as long as you can remember, you've just sensed this shame. Like there was something just fundamentally missing or or broken in you. Like everybody else seems to be okay in this one area, but I just seem to be missing that gene. Can you imagine yourself freed from that disease of shame? What if all the voices in your head uh, that, that tell you you're inferior, you're incompetent, gone. Just imagine that, if all those voices were gone. Imagine walking into a room of people and not, it not even occurring t- to you to measure yourself up against the best person in the room. Like that, because sizing yourself up against the best person isn't even on your radar. Or maybe you're someone who you struggle with anxieties or fears and it's just had you gripped, and you live in that, that, that world of kind of worst-case scenario. That's kind of where you're at all the time. Maybe you manifest that fear by 
always trying to control situations. And you even can try to control other people. And sometimes you can even tend to get kind of manipulative with people, right? That, right? Can you imagine yourself being set free from that? That anxiety, that fear. Well, what if you could live your whole life just centered in calmness, right? That, that indescribable peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4 tells us about. And, and even when things are falling apart around you, and maybe even other people are freaking out, you just got the center of peace. Imagine that's you, that person. You're the one with the center of peace. Or maybe you're one of the ones you feel hopeless, you feel depressed, and it's just become a part of you. Can you imagine yourself being free from that? I want you to imagine yourself as vividly as possible being someone who is so full of hope and so full of joy, and that is your default that you wake up every morning with hope and joy, and you look forward to the day. You can't wait to get out of bed. Can you imagine if the default expression on your face wasn't a fake smile that you're putting on for others, but a sincere one? Now, for some of us, I bet maybe that was hard to do. It was a hard little exercise, right? Because maybe there's that voice in your brain, and I know that voice that says, no, 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 that's impossible. That ain't even real. It's impossible to even imagine. This morning, I want us to see that we can imagine it, and in fact, that it's very, very important for us to imagine this, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how imagination, how that vivid imagination plays a role in how faith works. Um, The truth is, folks, we have power over our brain. You do. You might think you don't. You do. You have power over your brain. It's it's, it's, The fact is we we so rarely use it, we forget that we have that power. Uh, People listen to everything that their brain says. Big mistake. Big mistake, right? For some of us, it's hard to believe uh, that not everything our brains are telling us is real. But actually, by God's design, we are to have authority over our brain. We're supposed to use it. I'm going to prove it to you, okay? Everybody at home, a couple of our our volunteers who are here, uh, you guys do this experiment with me. I want everybody to just imagine a green banana, all right? Imagine a green banana. I'm, I'm holding mine right here in my hand, this green banana, It's really ripe. I guess that's ripe or unripe. I forget which way it is. Yeah, thank you. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. Use that big, powerful brain of yours. Turn that green banana yellow. Okay. You got it? You got that yellow banana? Mine's super pretty. It's really yellow. Now turn that yellow banana into a yellow butterfly. All right? Little butterfly. And just imagine, they're fluttering off. There it goes. My little butterfly is fluttering off. And then an eagle swoops down and eats it. Sorry, that's where my brain goes because that's <laughs> it's kind of twisted. So, Anyway, see, see what you did? Look what you did. You, your brain is powerful. You have authority over your brain because that's the way we're wired. God created us, body, soul, and spirit. And you're, you're more than your brain. You're more than your brain. Your brain's part of your soul, that suke in the Greek. It's part, it's part, and your brain's important, right? Uh, it tells us the, the narrative, the story that we live in. Your brain is this powerful organic computer that, you know, we use to interface with the outside world. But you're more than your brain. You're a spirit, 
right? You're also a spirit, and that's the most fundamental aspect of you. And in God's design, we are spirit agents who are supposed to have authority over our brains. And Scripture tells us that God says that, that we're supposed to be telling our brains what is true. Our brains are not supposed to be telling us everything that is true. Now, I don't mean that we ignore facts. Your brain is really good at, at uh, supplying you with lots of facts. Those are good. But the brain is lousy at converting those facts into ultimate truth. It's good at supplying facts, but it cannot process those facts and turn it into ultimate truth for you. It's bad at that. See, this is why the Bible tells us a number of times <clears throat> that what we're, it tells us what we're supposed to think. And when you think about it, uh, it wouldn't do that. It wouldn't make zero sense if we didn't have the power over what we think. And so, for instance, we have the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is uh, right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So it's our responsibility. We have this responsibility to think about what is true and noble and right and lovely and pure. And that means if we find something, we find stuff in our brain that is not lovely, true, noble, right, lovely, or pure, then we are to set it aside and we are to turn our thoughts to what is true, noble, lovely, bright, right, and pure. So we have authority over our brain. We really do. It's no more difficult than turning a green banana to a yellow banana. You can do this. You are not a helpless passenger in your brain all week long. You are not the helpless passenger. That is a lie you've been fed, but, but God tells us that we're supposed to lead the brain. Now, is that always easy? No, right? Because the brain never shuts up. Mine doesn't. It never, not even for a second. I mean, go try and lock yourself in a bathroom and say, okay, I'm not going to think any thoughts. Three seconds, you're going to be going, how am I doing? Wait, this is hard. Ah, this won't work, Right? Uh, I tried meditating one time. People were like, oh, you need to meditate. Uh, you, you, you know, you just empty the mind and it makes you feel so peaceful. That was the most stressful five minutes of my life, right? <laughs> empty? My, my mind is just, my brain is this, this chatter machine. Even when I'm sleeping, it's chattering, just constantly regurgitating stuff all the time. And most of what it regurgitates is what's come into it all day long and, and just all the garbage that's been said to you or that you've, set, you've seen or that has been fed to you all the days of your life. And your brain tells you that all this garbage that it's collected, because it's a really good garbage collector, that all this garbage it's collected and that it's spitting right out, your brain tells you that's the real story of your life. That's the narrative of your life. But the truth is, folks, we have authority over our mind, and we have a responsibility to use that authority. This is why Jesus revealed to us in the Sermon on the Mount, which we looked at in our last series, that, you know, obsessing over uh, just outward sin management, which was kind of like old covenant stuff, uh, all that is kind of missing the point, because the most important behavior is the behavior going on between your ears 24-7. That's what Jesus reveals to us. And so it, everything depends on us taking authority over that and speaking truth into it. Here's the thing. Whatever you believe is real, that is what you put your faith in. Whatever you believe is real, that's what you're putting your faith in. If you're giving your brain the authority to tell you what's real, well, that's what you're putting your faith in. And so we see this said in a number of different ways throughout the scriptures. Uh, just according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. The driver of our life is our faith. Now, 
What is faith? Because a lot of folks don't understand what faith is. Uh, we get the idea that faith is kind of this, just this religious-y thing. Sounds like a religious word. Um, but it's not a religious thing. It's really a life thing. Faith is a life thing. Everybody has faith. Let me show you a passage I think is so foundational and just so beautiful and, uh, and probably underappreciated for how insightful it is. And it's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, there's three important words in that, that passage right there. The first one is the word assurance there. And in the Greek, it's this picture of something of substance. It's, it's like the thing, like this podium right here. It's, 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 it's something solid. You can count on it. You can trust it. So faith is like this solid foundation that you can trust in. You can visualize it as already real. And then the object of our faith is that second word there, what you're hoping for, that which is hoped for. And it's not hoping like, I just kind of wish this it would be nice if this happens. It's not that kind of hope. This is like a strong expectation. It's like, I need this to happen. This needs to happen. It's like a need in your soul. That's the hope we're talking about. And then here's what happens. That faith then creates in me something, and it brings about that third word there, conviction. And that Greek word there in, in the Greek, it means evidence or proof that's been tested. Something has been tested and you have evidence for it now. So I could summarize Hebrews 11 this way, that we could say faith is a vivid vision of what you hope to happen that creates the experience or the satisfaction even before it's even happened, the satisfaction of it happening before it's even happened. Um, and you know what? It's cool. Neuroscience has already proven this to be true. To, to the degree that you can imagine something vividly, your brain can't actually tell the difference between the thing you're imagining and the real thing if you were to experience it because it's the same network of neurons that are being activated. You'll actually feel that the same thing you would feel if you encountered the real thing to the degree that you can visualize it. Uh, which is why Jesus says the behavior going on in your head is just as important as the behavior going on outside of you. Neuroscience is just proving basically Hebrews 11.1 1, uh, is true because that's how faith works. This isn't religious mumbo jumbo here. This is reality. This is how we're wired. It's how God created the universe. It's how it works. My, my, uh, oh, my dear grandmother, we called her granny. When, when she was alive, I remember her saying something to Melissa and I on her porch in Alabama. It just stuck with us for all of these years. She said something I'll never forget. She said, faith is universal. She said, it, does, it works whether you believe in God or you don't. It's, it's just a universal force in the universe, and it works no matter what. And so what this means for us is that so much of what you do or what you don't do or what you become or you don't become is the result of the future that you've already previewed in your head day in and day out, whether you know it or not. It's, it's the mental reality that you believe in before you ever step into the physical reality of your day. Your faith is already setting you up for it. Or to, or to kind of put this biblically, what you do or become is largely a function of your faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. So all this leads to a, a very important question for us to ask, and that is, who or what are you going to trust to define truth for you? What are you trusting to define truth for you? Uh, and here's your choices. Behind door number one over here is the door that almost everybody chooses, whether they know it or not, because we're all born slaves into this world. 
And that's the choice that says, trust your brain. Trust your brain. Whatever it tells you must be real. Now, you should know, if you choose this, you've just given authority to everything that's ever been said to you. You've given authority to everything that's ever been done to you. And everything you've ever experienced, every failure you've ever gone through, every voice that's ever lied to you, every sin you've ever committed, you've given all of that the authority to define who you are. If you've chosen door number one, trust your brain. You've given all of those voices ultimate authority. You've allowed yourself basically to become a footnote to what everyone else says about you, what you're going to become or not, because you're just an extension of them right? And what they think about you. And most of that, most of the input that we get throughout our life is garbage. It is. And and you'll continue to experience garbage for the rest of your life. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, here's an alternative, just a suggestion. Behind door number two, you find someone who maybe has more credibility than your own brain, and, and therefore, more credibility than all the stupid voices that have ever spoken into your brain and did stuff to you that got lodged in your brain. And you might find a source there that's got more credibility than that. And folks, that is what we're given in the New Testament. That we're told that the, what the Creator thinks of us, because of what Jesus did for us, He tells us in His actions on the cross what He thinks about us. And so when Paul says, think about what is true and noble and right and lovely and pure, This is what he's talking about. The truth of what God says about you in Jesus Christ. That is what God says about you. This is the choice. And making this choice between door number one or door number two, this is the foundation of all victory, all freedom you're going to have. What are you going to believe to tell you the truth and to tell you what is real? And you can choose to believe. You can choose to believe it. You got to get a vision for it. Even if you got to start telling your brain to shut up. And sometimes I got to do that, right? You just tell your brain to shut up. Amen. Let God be true in every brain a liar if it goes against what Jesus says. Amen. Amen. So let's look at what Jesus says about you. Here's just a small snippet of the truth we are, who we are in Christ. Let this soak in for you. According to God, if you accept this, if you surrender to Christ, you surrender to the truth of who you are in Christ, you got to know that the truth is that you are forgiven. You are freed from all condemnation and shame. Amen. You're forgiven and freed. Hallelujah. The Bible says that you are a holy and blameless child of God. I mean, let that sink in for a second. Now, right now, I guarantee there's some garbage voice in your head going, give me a break. I, so we, we know what you did last Friday night, right? We saw that. We were both there. Well, who are you going to believe? Just ask yourself, who are you going to believe? Or you, it's your choice. You can believe your own experience. You can, believe, you can keep on replaying that thing for the rest of your life. Good luck with that. Or you can do something different and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can set your mind in a different direction and get a different hope for yourself, a different reality that creates a different conviction of who you really are, holy and blameless. Can you see yourself as this? What else does the Bible tell us? It says that you are the real you, the true you is part of the living temple of God, right? You're a walking, talking, power-packed being because you've got God's spirit inside of you. You're his temple. You're precious to Jesus. Praise God. And then you know that you're in Christ. When you know that, then you are more than a conqueror who can do all things through Christ, right? No more is this weasel self who's like, oh, I can't do anything, I'm just mad. That's the garbage voices. 
That's the garbage voice telling from your past. It's just taunting you. And maybe it's time to tell those voices who, who don't know the true you, the true you that the Bible says you are, that those voices that don't love you, they don't have your best interests at heart. Maybe it's time to tell them to shut up, right? And start listening to your heavenly creator, your Abba Father, who loves you and knows you better than you even know yourself and what he says about you in Christ, that you're more than a conqueror, that you can do all things in Christ. Amen. That is what's true about you. Have faith in that. Have faith in that. And you know what? It's no more impossible than turning a green banana into a yellow banana. You have authority over your brain. Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive to Jesus. And so when you fight, find that thought that's renegade and it goes against what Jesus says about you, it's time to reel it in. Take it captive. See, we all see ourselves in a, in a narrative a story. That's the story that we see ourselves in. It, the world writes for us one story, and it tells you, this is who you are. And it tells you, ah, oh, you're just an addict. You can't help yourself, right? Or you're just a hopeless person. You'll never really be happy. You'll never have hope. You'll never be able to forgive people, right? It tell, it, the world makes me think, I, I'm just bitter. I just got to get even. That's just who I am, right? Or I, I can't forgive myself. I did that. I did something unforgivable. I can't forgive myself. I know Jesus paid the debt, but I still got to pay it somehow. I need to work on it somehow. But see, that whole story was killed 2,000 years ago. It's already been crucified 2,000 years ago. Our creator has written you a new story. Uh, before you ever accomplished one good thing in your life, before you were even born, before you committed one single sin, he has already written into your life uh, a story of peace and love and victory. That is who he declared you to be. God's front-loaded the whole thing for you already. You don't have to beg him for it. He's already done it for you. And that's the real you. That's the real you. You got to lock it in and have faith in the only one who's qualified to define you. Have faith in this, because this is what's true, folks. This is what's true. Uh, some people, when they hear me talk about this, they're like, it sounds like you just, you're, you're telling us to brainwash ourselves. That's exactly what I'm telling you to do, right? Brainwash yourself. Yes, because someone is brainwashing you, and, and we've let the wrong people do it, basically, right? We've been washing our brain with a bunch of garbage. What happens when we wash something with a bunch of garbage? It doesn't get very clean, does it? Amen? Uh, it doesn't get clean. It's time to start washing ourselves, washing our minds with the water of the word, praise God. Uh, just God's word, his declaration to you, his word, his declaration is freedom. That's his word to you, deliverance. He has declared you washed and clean. That is what Jesus means when he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we're just believing the wrong truth. We're believing the wrong truth. And even right now, today, as we were talking about how our, our society is in turmoil with these injustices and evils that are rampant all around us, the struggles are real. They are. And, and they're important. And, but remember this. We have to remember this. Even a, a perfect society of idyllic perfect equality and mutual respect, as noble as it is for all of our communities to pursue that, that goal, it will not free a single person from the prison they are held in in their mind. You could live in the perfect society and you won't be free up here. Only Jesus can free you from that prison. Only Jesus. And he can only do it as you and I refuse to just be a passenger inside our own brain. 
Stop being a passenger inside your brain. You got to take the wheel, right? You got to be diligent, even, even all during the week. In the, from morning, the moment you wake up, and then all through the week, be diligent, paying attention to, to what you're thinking throughout the day. And when you notice that there are things entering into your mind that are not noble, that are not true, not right, not loving, not pure, you got to set those things aside and turn your thoughts to what is true, is noble and pure and right. That is now the true you. That's the true you. Amen? That's who you are in Christ. You're clothed in him. That's the freedom he has in store for you. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful freedom. Amen. I hope at, I hope at home you're shouting a lot louder than these guys here are. Because they're just sitting here looking at me. Amen. I want to pray for you right now. Father God, we love you so much. I thank you, Lord for the freedom that you have in store for us, Lord God, the freedom you've already declared, you've already bought and purchased it, but, but we have to step into it, Lord God. Give us the courage to, to actually take the wheel of our brain and steer it where we want it to go, Father, and not just be a helpless passenger in our own brains. Help, help us to, to be able to resist the voices that lie to us, the voices from our past, the voices that tell us this is just who we, is, who, who we are, this is just uh, an integral part of who we are, Father God. Let us see the truth that you have declared over us, Father God. And in this series, Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that people will be set free. People will be set free from the things that are holding them back, that are keeping them trapped, Lord God, that they will discover a new freedom than they've ever felt before. We pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, I want to um, take a, a second and thank you, G Church family and tribe, that uh, you are continuing to uh, support the ministry. You're continuing to give uh, through your generous giving, uh, being a blessing to other people, and uh, honoring God with your, your tithes and your offerings uh, as you are. And it's just, it's so awesome to see how you are being a blessing. You're being the church. You know, we're, we're sitting in a building right here, but you're the church. And the people who are right here are the church. And we get to be the church. We get to be Jesus to other people. And so you're helping uh, this this ministry be a blessing and to be Jesus to other people through your giving. Uh, we're making sure that nobody walks alone during this pandemic, that all the needs are met within our own church family so that all of us individually can go out there and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors. And you're doing that so beautifully. Uh, just a reminder of the different ways you can give there. You can give online. If you're on the website right now, just click the give button there. Uh, you can give on the church app. It makes it super easy and click the give button over there. You can text to give 77977, uh, keyword G-Church and uh, that's a quick way to do it. Or you can mail it in, or you can drop it by right here at the church. Or starting next week, you can come to church and put it in the special social distancing offering buckets that we're going to have for you. That's right. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you again. Um, I can't wait to see you next week. Uh, if, you, if you're one of the ones choosing to come uh, at our, our service, 9 and 11, remember this 11 a.m. service is going to be more geared to families and kids and things like that. Um, the 9 a.m. will be more geared to, to just the grown-ups. And, uh, but if you're choosing to stay home, if you're going to be continuing to live stream, just remember that's at 11 a.m. now. It'll be 11 a.m. And know that even if you're not here with us, we are family. We love you. And we're going to get through this whole thing. We're going to get through this together, right? Because no one wants alone. Amen. Amen. And so, my friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you in this world that we live in. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.